What does kindness mean to you? Um, I think I think for me, kindness is about um, respect, respecting others, um, respecting others' beliefs, uh, and 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 ensuring that we treat everyone fairly. Um, I think, especially in society at the moment, you know, we we live in a very multicultural society. Um, so so showing that respect um, and, and understanding other people's uh, belief systems and, and communities that they're part of, um, if we can do that and we can respect that. That's really the start of kindness, I think. Uh, kindness means to me um, sacrificing and and being nice to people and, and treating them the way you want to be treated. Because at the end of the day, when you go out of your way and being nice to somebody for no hidden agenda or no motive, that's true kindness. Because kindness comes within the heart. And it's, it's a contentual thing. It's not one of those things where you're always there for an incentive or a motive. So when you are around people, think about what you're doing and think about why you're doing it. And if you're doing it for an incentive or some kind of motive, then it's not really kindness. Kindness is being, you know, caring, loving, showing respect. You know, in this country, we are fortunate to have democracy. So that is a form of kindness in terms of people have their rights, people have the rights to vote and their opinions. And there's freedom of speech. Yes, there is. Sometimes people, you know, abuse that. But through these things, through these mottos and through these um, you know rules and ethos is we you know kindness comes out of it and also if, if you go to one uh, further extent we can think about British values as well we live in a country which has always had you know maybe not in in history had, had a good humanitarian record but recently uh, you know when they allow people to come to this country and provide them with social benefits and whatnot uh, that's a that's a form of kindness so you know whenever you leave your house Whenever you do anything in life, always think about how you're behaving around people and just be kind to them. Kindness to me is an act of generosity that um, is to do something nice for someone without expecting praise or anything. So an example is um, when Prophet Muhammad he, uh, he's the one who taught us um, kindness and love and compassion. And to, to be compassionate to your neighbor, no matter how they, have, they behave with you, so, for example, when Hazrat used to walk uh, this route and this lady used to throw trash on him and he used to clear it up uh, and take, put it in the trash sides and he used to walk that route every day and one day the lady did, didn't um, throw that trash at him and he, he got a bit worrisome of her. So he went to check up on her. She was a bit sick and he uh, took care of her. He looked after her until she was nurtured back to health. And that act of kindness uh, made her heart soft toward Islam and she accepted uh, Islam at that time uh, at the hand of Hazrat So act of kindness can change big hate into act of love. For, so that's, that's what our, our motto is as well, love for all, hatred for none. So I think we should all uh, look to follow our motto. So kindness to me means that we should, we should always remain, uh, first of all, humble. Um, the second thing is that kindness for me is about how we develop and maintain good, strong bonds and relationships with our families, our neighbors, our colleagues, and everyone around us, so we can truly demonstrate the true teachings of Islam. And also, it's about how we can show a really, really positive attitude to those who are around us. So for me, that's what kindness means. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, may the peace and blessings of God Almighty be upon you all. Uh, we start with the name of God, who is uh, the most gracious, the merciful. Thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, 
Yeah, the question that we've asked and uh, the answers that you've just heard are in regards to the first topic that we are going to be talking about. And that is about kindness, uh, which costs nothing. In honor of today being the Random Acts of Kindness Day during this hour, we will be reflecting on how we can be kinder and the impact this has had or has or is having on the world. But before we get into this, uh, let me introduce you to the one and only uh, Brother Kiyum. And joining us today here on the Friday Drive Time Show is our dear brother Kamal Zafar. Assalamu alaikum to both of you gentlemen. So, um, yeah, that's the first topic that we're going to be talking about today. And you've just heard some of um, the answers that we've asked some of the brothers, I believe, in Luton. Um, so thank you very much to our dear brother, uh, Tahir Khalid, who went out and uh, did ask um, some of the brothers there what they think about kindness, what kindness means to them. Um, we're going to play some more interviews that we've had in the Croydon area afterwards during the course of the program. So that is the first half of the program. We're going to speak about kindness, uh, The today being the Random Acts of Kindness Day. Uh, how we can be more kind and what is the world expecting? What should what role do we play in all of this? Then in the second half of the program, we're going to speak about um, two spiritual journeys that were undertaken by the Holy Prophet of Islam, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, called Isra and Miraj. Um, there's a few misconceptions, few differences that the Ahmadi Muslim community has with probably the mainstream Muslims and what exactly that is. All of that is coming up in the next half of the program. As always, if you want to get in contact with us, you can call us on 0208-687-7878. And if you want to send us a tweet, do so at Voice of Islam UK. If you want to get in contact with us through Instagram or email or LinkedIn or Facebook or TikTok, just search for Voice of Islam. Um, so, random act of kindness. <coughs> As usual, a day has been allocated to mm. it. Back <laughs> in 1995, somebody, rightly, rightly so, decided that we need to have a random act of kindness. Uh, but yes, 1995, the state of the world has become such that we need to create days to remind us mm that there are such things as kindness. But what we're going to be talking about today, how being a Muslim uh, and being kind is part and parcel of what we are as Muslims and um, and the teachings that uh, have been brought to us by the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and how the way of life that we choose um, today um, must, one of the ingredients, one of the top uh, ingredients or the secret, the recipe of our lives need to be kindness no you're absolutely right it's so understated yes of an action yeah. that we speak about kindness i mean you so, someone like me yeah you know, i'm always <laughs> on social media unfortunately some people say i'm too much on social media but <laughs> yeah i'll go on to it and there's always things videos that you'll be watching um i don't know if you guys watch instagram reels or spend time watching other kinds of videos and you know some of the things are comedy some of the things are uh, athletic achievements that you might watch, you might watch a cooking video. Yeah. And all of these things are great. They're, they're nice to watch and you learn from them. But the videos that for me really stand out and especially you'll see that from the comments of the mm. videos. People will literally be saying, thank you so much for uploading this today. Thank you so much for letting us see that. And do you know what those things are? They're literally people going up to other people who they don't know, never met before, and they just help them. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be kind to them. It might be an anonymous way of doing it. it might 
give them some food, some, some money. And uh, those videos do the best. And that for me shows and tells me that, yeah, we might enjoy watching comedy. We might enjoy seeing people achieve athletic feats. But what we really truly love doing, and this is just some proof of the pudding right, right there, is that we love seeing people being kind mm. to other people and humanity. It's just, just as simple as that. I think 100% correct uh, what uh, Brother Kamar is saying. Um, I think in this day and age, we've kind of started to... We live in such a polarized society at the moment. Mm. Everything... Um, a lot of people that you mentioned, Brother Kamar, that who say to you, thank you for uploading this, they seem, they seem to be the silent... They seem to be the silent people who kind of observe. Mm. Because we're living in a society, if you don't shout and scream... Yeah. your opinion um, you're not relevant mm. and a well, lot of people um, kind of get lost in, in, in that noise um, right. and, and a lot of uh, people who uh, probably do practice kindness on a, on a, as way a part, a part and parcel of their way of life because of their silence they seem to get lost in the system mm. you know what that's, that's a cool point we're talking about random acts of kindness yeah. and suppose they're supposed to be rewarding, right? Mm. Now, you've spoken about this sort of introvert population. Yes. I kind of associate myself with that as well, weirdly enough. <laughs> um, I do, because there are still those people who, who speak a lot, but they're actually introverts deep inside. When they yeah. go into the room, they put their introvert shirt on. Yes. That's me. So yeah. I, I, I relate to that. because and the, and the trouble with this, and this is a problem, is because a lot of stuff on social media is stuff which catches your eye. Mm. It is stuff that's going to get you followers, going to get you likes, clickbait, right? And that kind of stuff is normally things which we mentioned before. Mm. Uh, things like athletic achievements, something really, um, you know, a massive crazy stunt, motivational stuff, right? And for kindness, because it's when people do it, especially as a Muslim, mm. you do it because you're doing it for God. Yes. Or you're doing it because it makes you feel good. You're not necessarily doing it because you want someone to follow you you want someone to like you mm. and because people do it for that intention of just for the sake of god they don't want to do it to be noticed right so they feel they might feel they might feel like because of that yeah. they they're, they're being left out of the picture yeah. because they're not doing it in front of the camera right that's right so they might feel like whoa i'm missing out mm. i might as well just become an athlete film a few videos and become more famous like that mm. well you could but doing that act of kindness and not having it filmed your reward is elsewhere that's the key, isn't it? Because you, you, the first thing you listed of why one is being kind is for the sake of God. Hmm. Expand on that. Why? Yeah. Why should I do it for the sake of God? Well, that's, that's what it boils down to, right? That's, yeah. that's literally the whole point. Though. We're not asking that today. Yes. K kindness, on a metric of is it worth it, yeah. is it worth it? I mean, yeah, you might not get financial revenue the way you would get it if you pursued something else or if you did some other kinds of content or whatever. But what it gives you is for me personally as well as, as a Muslim understanding this it gives you two things it brings you closer to God and it, it softens your heart but these things go hand in hand you have to have a soft and loving heart to find God God Almighty says that if you love my creation then you love me and I have mercy on those who have mercy on my creation so that's why it's absolutely necessary right? but and those are fundamentals of they, they, they are basic things like I said we don't always talk about it because yeah. it's so ingrained in us we take it like as an absolute but the reason why I feel like it's necessary to, to have that as just a person even if you're not religious I mean I read this quote a couple of weeks back and it, it, I loved it because it just hasn't left me since then mm. it was so simple and profound and it was simply something like uh, um, you know you can having hatred 
or a hard heart is like or enmity for someone you don't have like jealousy mm. against somebody is like drinking poison yourself you're, you're feeding yourself that yeah. and expecting the other person That's to die yes right it's as simple as that because and i was like wow because we might get angry sometimes or we might you might be you know you're driving you've got a bit of road rage and you get annoyed you get frustrated now you've got two options you can either be like yo it's, it's okay mm. you know you're trying to cut me in traffic it's all right go ahead mm. yeah or you cannot do that put your foot in the accelerator and go ahead and just show it show your way <laughs> now the the effect of that is gonna affect me personally i'm gonna feel sour about it for the next half hour why did i do that and that's what this quote reminds me about that kindness is going to soften my heart i feel so great like wow okay you gave that guy a bit of space and on the roadway a couple of feet and that's the stuff that really makes you feel fulfilled day in day out this quote when i come back to this it reminds me that kindness is going to benefit you before it benefits anybody else yeah we will talk about kindness as something which is you have to give to someone else that's something that you give but it's a gift that you give to yourself as well because mm. it lightens your day well it, it's funny I, on the way here I was thinking exactly the same point about what kind of self- well, <laughs> <laughs> about being selfish okay it's okay to be selfish yeah. because if I'm being kind to someone else I'm actually being kind to myself okay and that may be a selfish thought hmm. but it's something that's going to be there either way so you might as well be kind yeah you're absolutely right like you've given these examples I mean for me, kindness, I, I remember, for me, I, I relate to things through like uh, proverbs and things like that. And I always remember them. And I remember it was like three years ago. So His Holiness Hazrat Mizam Masri Ahmed, Allah strengthen his hand. He was talking about Eid. And I know it's not Eid just yet, hmm. but it still sticks in my mind. Because even though he was talking about kindness and Eid, the, the principle of it related to every single day of, of my life. And what that is, is that on Eid, a lot of people celebrate. You know, how do they celebrate? Buy some nice clothes, mm. eat some nice food. Oh, to be honest, we all do that, all right? Mm. And and it's something that's quite closely associated with the joys of Eid. Yeah. That kind of material. So you're celebrating the aspect. end of fasting. Yeah, I mean, there's two Eids, but yeah. yeah. So that's what they do. His Holiness said, fine, I mean, you can do that in your own means in, without extravagance. But what's really going to put that smile on your face? And he said, gave the simple example of that. You could have a, a sweet or a lollipop or if you prefer a laddu, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you could also take that same sweet, that same lollipop, that same sweet. You can go and hand it out to a child. You can go uh, onto the streets so to someone's less privileged. Hand them something out. Watch the smile on that person's face. Nothing will compare to that hmm. joy that that gives you. And that is true Eid. Eid meaning happiness. The true happiness that you can achieve isn't by the clothes you wear, isn't about the food you eat, but it's about the clothes, food, and the things that you give to other people. And that smile in return is going to make your day... Uh, that, again, like I said, I, I stick to these proverbs. Is it for me? It's about doing what you can for other people. And that's, like I said, it's a gift to you. You're not, it's not a gift to them, really. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Brother Rosa, you, you, no, your, I, your quietness is... I, is, I, I've been is, soaking is, this in. There's is, so much uh, information right now, and I'm loving this conversation. No, I, I you know, when, when we spoke about those videos, when you mentioned that in the beginning... <clears throat> You're absolutely right. Um, it, it, sometimes, what well, depends on the, the kind of people that are watching it. I, mm. I personally think, look, I we have we have some, maybe some some of us have an issue to admit that social media has had an impact on them. Mm. Yeah. On, on this, I, I I think I'll I'll be one of those who said that it did impact me. So when I watch those videos, what do you mean it impacted? You? In in the sense that you you want to do the same 
actions. Ah, okay, right? so it's quite inspiring. It, it is inspiring to me, to me, and I, I think in some parts nowadays, what what happens is that you will see um, certain individuals in front of, let's say, supermarkets who are there, and they're not asking per se for money nowadays. Mm. It's just how mm. can you help them, and they don't even ask sometimes. And you know they're there, and then wow. you 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 tell them, you ask them, like, look, can I can I bring you something? Yeah. Is there anything that I can do for you? And again, the point that you mentioned, the smile that you have, the thank you that you get, yeah. And, and usually they will give you the prayers, God bless yeah. you, whatever mm. it is. It is strange though, yeah, because I mean the whole social element, social media element of it, because we're talking about that specifically. There there will always be comments as well. Oh, you're just doing it for the views, you're doing yes. it for the likes, and that element of that exists, and that's where when it comes to being a Muslim. Kindness alone isn't the sole motive. It can't be this. Your motive, your intention has to be right. It has to be correct. The mm. base reason for why you do it. You can be kind, but if you're just doing it to show off, it doesn't have the same bearing. You can be kind, mm. but if you're doing it because two weeks later you need to ask that same guy for a favor, <laughs> it doesn't have the same bearing. So what does Islam say? That don't take a favor for a favor don't do don't try and in the, the quran specifically it instructs this that if you have done a favor on somebody don't try and hold that against them for mm. example mm. so if you want to be kind what does the holy prophet sallallahu wasallam say he says do it in a way that if you're going to give someone something your right hand shouldn't even know what is given and the whole point behind it is that it should slightly be secretive however that's very important and that's why I think that if someone says that to you, that oh, you're being so kind, you're doing it for the fame. If you know that you're not doing it for the fame, you're doing it for God, you're going to get those blessings. However, at the same time, Raza, I think that every now and then, it's really important to do these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Because you're inspiring people, yeah. right? But you have to make sure in your head that you're doing it for the right reasons. And that, that's the most important thing, that you're doing it for the right intention. And if you let that pressure go of, look... <laughs> I'm not as active on social media as you are, but oh. of course, when you post something, you you want to get some sort of result from that. Yeah, you're doing it to mm. to to say to people that look, you should do this good good thing. Yeah, yeah. If it's a charity appeal or whatever it is, you, there's there's a message that you're sending out. Mm. But in this instance, I've seen it so many times. And I, one day, I was in in Sainsbury car park. My wife was inside doing the shopping, and I was in the car, and I was observing this one lady. She was an elderly lady, and she went through so much to help that person. Mm. Um, they wouldn't let him inside for some reason whatsoever. Okay. So she went inside, grabbed the stuff, came outside. Wow. Then there was something missing. She went inside again, came back. And I don't know, she went through hoops. Hmm. And that whole thing took like 10, 15 minutes. And I was like, nobody's huh. watching that woman. Nobody's yeah. appreciating that woman. No, she, nobody knows what she's doing. Right. But she's doing it for the sake of helping another person. You're absolutely right. That, that's where you have, I, th I think, there, there could be something in some, someone who's listening in their mind. Where do we draw the balance between this? Because sometimes you should do things secretly. Yeah. And that's what the Holy Prophet ﷺ has said. Do things, the, the, specifically these things. Yeah. In fact, it goes to the point where there's a narration that says that there are certain people, the seven people, on the Day of Judgment, they will be under God's shade. And amongst, among those people, I think three or four of them are those people who either prayed secretly, they gave charity secretly, mm. or they helped someone in need when no one was looking. So the emphasis of when no one was looking yeah. is there. But there's also emphasis on three other people, shades. Those people who were just rulers, for example, and that's something that you do very publicly. 
So, for example, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, at certain times also asked people to donate charity. He's like, he stood up, he's like, who can help me? Who's gonna, who's gonna aid me? Yeah. And the likes of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiAllahu an, may Allah be pleased with him, and Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, they publicly claim, they publicly came in front of everyone, yeah. and they gave their sacrifice. They did that because at the same time, while they would do it, it would inspire others yeah. to do the same. So there is a balance between the two, and we shouldn't be ashamed to do either thing, as long as our intentions, intentions. are correct. That's yeah. the thing, right? Okay. So the question there's, is, th- there's yeah. three generations here. Oh, is it? <laughs> Me and Rose are the you're, same. You're the, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, I appreciate no, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I clarify that. No, they're not. Okay, Rose is in the middle today, and and as always, I say I'm the dinosaur here. Yeah. You see, I can relate to the to the old lady that you're talking about. Hmm. To me, my generation, I, I I remember a time before social media. Yeah. And it was it was the norm that people went out of their way to help. Hmm. You could see it okay. on your street. You could see it a certain type of people were doing okay. it. Okay. Like this lady you gave example yeah. of. That's part of parcel of who she is. That's mm. just the way. Mm, you would but, be surprised. But, uh, no, no. But, you see, you would be surprised mm, yeah, because but, of your generation and your generation. But for me, when I look back and I think I know loads of people who would do exactly, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> that somebody has spent 10, 15 minutes. I think as much as you say the social media aspect of it, it's good to have it. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. My mm. problem with social media, with this kind of topic okay. is when somebody does do it with a good intention, and then they see well somebody else is doing exactly the same uh, thing for a different reason. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's enough for them to yeah. switch. Of course it is, and you can probably see that happen. Yeah, you probably see it happen. Yeah, but a Muslim won't trade it. The Quran says yeah. that there are those people who do good deeds, mm. but khalatu amalan salihan. They mix that good deed with a slight, slightly bad intention. Mm. Slight. No one's gonna notice that. Let me just get that that, that monetization on the side. Let me ask a clarification. Yeah. When you say bad intention, yeah. wanting to get something in return hmm. is that bad intention? Not a bad intention, but mm-hmm. that you can still do that good deed, mm-hmm. but you, you, you before you had a, a massive reward for it, yep. right? But because you done what the Quran says, you bartered it for a smaller price, yep. which is what? It's not necessarily a bad thing. It could be monetization. So it's diminished. It could be yeah, subscribership. Yeah, It's not a bad thing to, yeah. to have that. Of course. But it's diminished and it's taken away from your ultimate reward. For example, mm-hmm. there were, and this has got nothing to do with kindness per se, but the Holy Prophet, Muhammad, peace be upon him, in his time there were certain companions who would, when the defensive wars were happening, were going to defend the freedom of religion and Islam. Mm-hmm. And when they would come back, naturally, if they had won that battle, there were certain alms and uh, loots that were available. Mm-hmm. And some of the companions intentionally wouldn't take them. Mm-hmm. And when they were asked why, they didn't say, oh, because it's bad hmm. or because it's wrong. They said, we don't want it to diminish from yeah. our reward in the hereafter. Okay. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. But if you're conscious about these things mm-hmm. as a Muslim, you want your reward to strictly be in the hereafter. And that's your choice to make, by the way. Yeah. No one's judging you on that. So, so but the you act can of do kindness it. goes with patience. Yeah, it does. I mean, uh, the Muslim act of kindness, which is solely to await the reward in the akhirah exactly well the akhirah itself means the latter thing of course you have to wait for it i'm sorry about that you do (laughs) no no, but 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 the reason i mentioned that because because they are intertwined because (laughs) the reward is for the hereafter well and we live in a society of convenience and immediacy well here's the thing i I kind of also almost don't agree with that as well the promised society peace be upon him founder of the Ahmadiyya muslim community 
there's a lot of um, examples of how he was kind. Mm -hmm. And obviously he'd done it in a very secretive way. Obviously, he was expecting for the reward to be in the Akhirah, but he saw the results of it straight away as well. Mm -hmm. And what do I mean by that? We had a, a lady who used to work in his household, mm -hmm. all right? And she sometimes used to help around the house, cooking the food, etc. But she was underprivileged. And sometimes it was a situation where she wouldn't have money, perhaps to feed her children at home. So once, or we don't know how many times, but she, she would take some of the resources from the house of the Pomos Messiah, peace be upon him, without asking. Mm -hmm. Take it home and, you know, whatever. And once, the members of the household of the Pomos Messiah, they caught her doing it. They caught her, if you want to harshly term it, stealing. Mm -hmm. And what do we make of that now? Because she's committed a crime. So the Pomos Messiah, peace be upon him, this lady was presented before him. And obviously he would have had a few options. You can reprimand this lady, you can fire her, you can ask her to give it back. What else could you do? You can make an example of her public... Mm -hmm. Messiah, peace be upon him, said, well, this is very sad. It means that you don't have enough food to provide at home. And this was his main concern, not that she's taken something, mm -hmm. right? So what did he say to her? He said, look, next time, if you're going to need something, rather than having to go behind someone's back, go and ask us. Just ask, just ask us. We'll give it to you. It's mm -hmm. no problem at all. Mm -hmm. And after that, the thing is that he saw the rehabilitation of that lady, and that was the reward. Mm -hmm. he, he taught that lady that rather than having to go behind doors and through illegal routes, we can actually just ask for help and the people there will be nice enough to help you. And that's what happened. And he saw the immediate rehabilitation of that in his household. The trust, the respect came back. Problem resolved. So I think even that in itself, that is a reward in itself. Showing that you've been able to help someone on the wrong their way, but you've also been able to show them this is how you do something. Now, uh, one thing that uh, we were going to talk about was how do you normalize kindness and, of course, mm. the intentions. And I think we've spoken about this in quite some detail now. Yeah. Um, in chapter 2, verse 264 of the Holy Quran, God Almighty tells the Muslims, and we're, we, we are taught, actually, that a kind word of forgiveness are better than charity followed by injury, and Allah is self-sufficient, forbearing. And as far as that concept of rehabilitation is concerned, I think, what, and for example, in the Holy Quran, we find this many, many times that if you can forgive, it's better for you. Yeah. If I mean, you have the right to, to, I wouldn't say retaliate, but to, to revenge any act in the way that it was done to you. Don't, don't go over hmm. and don't exceed the bounds. But in some cases, many cases actually, uh, when you look at the lifetime of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when he forgave, when he was kind to them, that actually had a bigger impact than any kind of punishment that, that would have been inflicted on them. Yeah, and it had a bigger impact than what we initially thought yes. as well. Yes. For example, if you forgive someone who's killed your daughter, mm. if you forgive someone who's killed your uncle, mm. then forgiving that person, someone might assume that, well, the nice thing about that is mm. that that person might not have to go and suffer the retribution of it. That's the direct impact. Like, wow. He's yeah. not going to get hurt. Yeah. But the bigger impact of it, centuries down the line, is that because of that one act of kindness, that those people became Muslims. Yes. And generations upon generations upon generations of people have now benefited of that one person being forgiven, entering the fold of Islam, and them now benefiting from this code of, code of life. And that's absolutely amazing. I mean, the Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him, coming back to him again had children like a lot of a lot of the listeners might do and i've got a child i mean sometimes you know you sometimes they can do things that, that you don't want them to do and the problem side peace be upon him something happened to him as well where a child accidentally burnt on set on fire yeah i don't know if it was even accidentally to be honest it was just a childish thing to do 
and accidentally set on fire a, a, a work that he was writing, mm. a book that he was writing. Now, back in the days, these books were not written on a computer. You couldn't yeah. command Z or control Z them, right? <laughs> like, oh, let me redo that. Let me let me open up autosave. It wasn't like that. Once it's gone, yeah. it's gone. Uh, the Prophet of Islam, his book is, 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 is literally vanished. Yeah. He could have lost his temper. He could have if he wanted it. He did not. And he chose to say, well, maybe perhaps God's wisdom was in the fact that they should be burnt. And perhaps I'll be able to write something better in the future. Better, now, yeah. obviously, for, our, for us, we might think, wow, it's kindness and he's you know, forgiving his child. But that's not the only impact of it. Mm. What that teaches a child is, I'm not going to fear my father. Mm. If I do something wrong, I can tell him. Yes. And he's not going to just lose his mind. Also, we always tell our kids as Muslims, worship God. Don't, don't worship anybody except for him. Fear God. Don't fear anybody apart from God. At the same time, if we're the ones who are instilling the fear into our children mm. of, our, of their parents, then we're going against that simple principle. So the Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him, and knew that if we're kind to our children, then we're actually taking them away from some kind of idolatry as well. They're not mm. going to hold us as gods as well. They're not going to begin to fear us. And this was, we can see now, of course, they grew up with this mindset, that they were not afraid of their parents to the extent that they held them like gods, that they were these gods of retribution that are going to punish yeah. us on every mistake. So that's why kindness goes a lot further, in my opinion, than what we physically see. Yeah. So yeah. So how do we normalize that? I mean, clearly from uh, hmm. actually let let me before we before we get to this uh, question, uh, as I said, there's another set of interviews that we've conducted uh, in in the Croydon area, and something that actually let let's listen to that and then we'll we'll be back after that. Um, so what does kindness mean to you? Do we have enough kindness in the world? Why is it important to be kind? These are the kind of questions that we asked um, at the uh, at Suman Mosque after the Friday prayers today, and let's see what uh, the people had to say. What's kindness to you? Kindness to me is being nice to people, making sure everyone's fine, making sure that you can give where, even though where you don't have to give. And in a world today when greed is a massive thing, kindness should be a very important thing thing in our in our lives what's kindness to you and do you think we have enough of it uh, I don't think we have enough of it kindness is something that people doesn't get harm from you kindness is something people don't get offended from you but do, around this world right now a lot of people get harmed just because of the society and stuff is there enough kindness why should we kind what's your definition of kindness what do you think um for me, I feel like kindness is basically upon um, sunnah. I, I basically be kind to um, our people. Um, so I'm generally, I'm not sure if um, kindness um, is a... Uh, uh, I'm not sure if um, there's a lot of kindness, but I feel like if you're a believer and you follow the sunnah of the prophet and um, you're acting good, and that eventually will help you be more kind to people, be generous. Yeah. And, um, That's the least we can do, isn't it? Yeah, least we can do, and then uh, trying to like do more doubt to people, trying yeah. to increase them, and, and trying to increase them, you know, um, in religion, yeah. so that they can improve. So without the religion, I actually feel like the whole thing you are um, eventually affect the heart. Yeah. Then with the religion, with the will, with the will of Allah, mm. um, the world a better place. Better place right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What's what's your understanding of kindness and do you think we have enough? 
I think in this world we need more kindness. Um, we need to take part in uh, activities which brings love between them, uh, brother and great brotherhood uh, between um, humans. Um, we there's actually a hadith which says it's part of the um, Sayyid al Bukhari, which says every act of kindness is charity. So which encourages us to. Um, show love to other people because we know that charity is also part of our religion as well uh, so that's why it's so important to be kind and smiling is charity isn't it smiling is charity that's yeah, the least absolutely. we can do <laughs> yeah. yeah it's free it's and, free and, and it's very easy to do yeah and uh, it's good for yourself and it's good for others as well Wonderful. because smile is contagious gentlemen is there enough kindness in the world no well no, there's not enough kindness in the world. So why should we be kind? Well, to be kind is for your own personal benefits, you know. Mm. When you're being kind, it's a benefit yourself. But, you know, sometimes when you're being kind, it's to make yourself feel happy. And you're helping someone else, but like, you know when you're helping someone else, let's say you lend them money, you're basically losing money. So you're losing money, but you're feeling an emotional, what's it called? Makes you feel power. better. Yeah. Makes you feel better. Um, How about you? Um, so, um, I do not think there's any, there's not much kindness in the world because there's a lot of people. Mm. You might think they like you, but really they don't. Mm. And also. So why should we be kind in, in a world like this, where people are not nice to you and kind to you? Why should we be kind then? Because they will, they will also. God mm. will see our good deeds of how we've been kind to people. For example, giving money out to charity, mm. and also helping out with a mosque as well. <coughs> oh, I do apologize for that. Sorry. So that was the, these are some impressions that uh, we've uh, collected today. Um, and one thing that I want to say is that everybody agrees, and you know, people have this, this opinion that there is not enough kindness in the world and all of them they shared what we've said before that primarily it's for you so you know, you, you never think about it that you know there's something for me uh, in the first place and then of course it's uh what would you say it it's a, it's a co collateral effect yeah. that you're getting something good out of it now uh, we're going to continue with this but before that uh, just a quick reminder if you want to join the conversation you can call us on 0208-687-7878 you can send us a tweet at Voice of Sound UK um, and our first guest for today for this part of the program is joining us today uh, joining us now Dr. Gillian Sandstrom is with us online she is a doctor of psychology and the director of the Sussex Center for Research on Kindness Dr. Jillian Sandstrom, thank you very much for joining us today. Peace be upon you and welcome to the Draft Time Show. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Um, the Sussex Center for Research on Kindness is well known for setting up you know, the largest ever public science project on kindness, a project by the name of the Kindness Test. Um, can I ask you to tell us what the aim of this was? How did it come about? How is it going? What was, what was the outcome? Sure. Yeah, so this was a project that was done uh, in collaboration between the University of Sussex and BBC Radio 4. Um, and, you know, kind of like what, what you heard from the people that you just talked to, you know, there's this general sense that maybe the world isn't such a kind place. And 
that we have a lot to learn about kindness. And there hasn't been a lot of academic research about that. And so we wanted to sort of fix that. Um, and so we, we managed to collect data from 60,000 people all around the UK and, and around the world. Um, and we asked questions. Um, we were just trying to get a sense of, you know, what do people think about kindness? Um, where does it happen? Who's kind? Um, you know, what's, we asked people about the last act of kindness that they received and also the last act of kindness that they did for someone else. So we were just trying to get like a really broad sense of, um, you know, what do we know about kindness? Uh, Dr. Sandstorm, how does carrying out acts of kindness benefit us? And what effect does this have on the recipient of uh, this act of kindness? Right. Well, we found that people who um, report receiving more kindness um, are, are do better in terms of their well-being. So they, they um, report more well-being. They're more satisfied with their lives. They're less lonely. They have fewer mental health difficulties and they suffer from less burnout. So there's these broad benefits to us. Um, of receiving kindness from other people. I should mention, though, that it might be that that people who um, enjoy more well-being are just people who notice more kindness, right? We don't know if they're actually receiving more or they're just more aware um, that there is kindness out there and that they are receiving it. Um, just a, a, a question comes to mind you, you, sure. in, in your research. Um, when you kind of uh, do, do do your research and tests and 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 experiments uh, into looking uh, for people who do carry out uh, these random acts do, do you ever measure or, or do you ever record if they belong to a, a faith group or or their or their their ways of lives are driven by a, a belief system um, in the in this particular project um, that we did with the BBC, we did ask about um, various, um, you know, about people's religious affiliation. I can't remember. I, I don't think there were any differences between different religions. I, I can't remember if there were any differences between people who were more, um, who reported being more religious versus less religious. Sorry, I don't remember. That's cool. That's cool. So is there any sort of beneficial impact on those who observe others performing act of kindness? Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the really nice things about kindness is that it, it benefits the person who's who's doing the act. It benefits the person who's receiving the act. But it even has benefits for people who just see someone else doing an act of kindness. Um, and, you know, maybe not to the same extent. So the strongest effects were actually for the person receiving the act of kindness. Um, but it benefited sort of all three of those parties. Now, you've carried out research on talking to strangers, which is something that you can believe can be an act of kindness, reflecting on the kindness you have experienced in your life and in honor of it being Random Act of Kindness Day, could you share an example that particularly stands out for you? Sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just first in terms of, um, I've, I've done research for the last 10 years on talking to strangers. Um, and we found in the kindness test with these 60,000 people that when we asked people about the last act of kindness that someone did for them, about 10% of the time, that act of kindness had come from a stranger. And it included, you know, all sorts of things. So it could include, you know, someone giving money, but it could also include someone, you know, letting you in on the road ahead of them or 
um, making you a cup of tea or just just smiling and saying hello or being you know listening to someone or giving them a compliment so all these little things including just having a chat with a stranger are really viewed as an act of kindness um, but I had an experience many years ago that I still remember about 25 years ago now um, when I was studying at university and I had a I had a problem with my bike um, and and so I was trying to take it to the bike shop and it was quite a distance away and this person that I barely knew, she was a fellow student. Um, I'd met her maybe once or twice, but I didn't didn't really know her. But she happened to drive by with her car, and she took the time to stop and offered me a lift to the bike shop um, to help me get my bike repaired. And it, it meant so much to me because I barely knew her, and it seemed like such a big deal that she would be willing to take take the time and go out of her way to, to help me in that way. Mm. Dr. Sasser, uh, uh, when we started the show, Brother, you mentioned that this day, this Random Acts of Kindness Day was introduced in, what was it, 1995? Um, so over the course of the, the last years, we, as a society, as, as, as a world, wh- where do you think are we headed with this? Is, is there a necessity for us to have these days to make sure that we pull up this 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 what should be a very natural kind of behavior of of uh, of of people yeah i mean i i think we found in this study that people actually in the uk people think that there was more kindness during covid so i think to oh, some yeah. extent you know there's a lot of there's a lot of kindness happening that's out there but i th- i think we can all use a reminder about how important it is and and how there's so many different ways to be kind you know i think i think you know people think about social media and they think about someone donating a kidney or giving someone a huge amount of money and people might think well i can't do that so i must not be a very kind person Mm -hmm. but you know even the small things like just saying hello to a stranger or you know giving listening to someone when they're struggling or you know there's so many different ways that we can be kind so just just bringing attention to that and, and helping people sort of notice opportunities and and think about all the different mm. ways to be kind i think is helpful wonderful dr jillian sandstrom doctor of psychology and the director of the sussex center for research on kindness thank you very much for for joining us today dr sandstrom uh, it was an honor to have you on and uh, greatly appreciate it have a great evening thank and you very peace, much. Be, peace be upon you thank you so much bye-bye Zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight is the number for you to call. What was the last act of kindness somebody did for you? Question for you guys. Mm. Kindness can get you into trouble. Mm. Why? Uh? Well, all these examples that we're hearing, fantastic. Yeah. I think I know where you're going with this yeah. one. You talk to a stranger, he's going to look at you and think, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's the first question. That's the first question. Okay. Secondly, you smile at someone and they're going to think, something wrong with you. And as much as Mm. we live in a society at the moment that uh, when you do kind of randomly look to interact with someone. Yeah. Because as I said, as much as we joke about the age thing, when we used to be students and we sat on the tube, there wasn't newspapers open. Everybody talked to each other. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't happen now because when it does happen, people look at well, you. You know, generally speaking, yeah. you, you, I know there'll be examples that will be coming out, but yeah, yeah. there is still an active uh, um, aspect of media which tells you that stay away from strangers. Hmm. If somebody smiles at you, don't kind of uh, they they might want yeah. something or they <laughs> might have bad intentions. Yeah, 
so so which which wasn't present in our days again mm-hmm. um i don't know whether that's a, a a plus or a minus but there is that aspect of it isn't it well i don't know about whether it wasn't present in your days or not i don't know about that but what i would say is that why would you stop there then but why would you stop it there i mean i i even know about people who would say you shouldn't donate money to people on the streets okay for example mm-hmm. and they have a point and they also don't have a point which is simply this that they might be con artists for example they might be scammers but now, that's their problem no but that's the thing but you're why would why would you stop there if, if we're going to open up the the possible cons of kindness there's loads i think what for me mm-hmm. first of all there's one thing that even though we know it's not so common it, it is common sense okay no, no, we, sense isn't common anymore I'm i sorry. think everybody has a bit of common sense that they know what to do and what to do and the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has what the caller actually said it herself it's absolutely amazing that we normally associate kindness with these huge gestures like like what you've said like could be money helping someone out and we always associate it with these things but the holy prophet muhammad peace be upon him brought it down to the basics something as simple as like what you said smiling something as simple as putting some water from your vessel into the vessel of your brother mm-hmm. this is really important the holy prophet muhammad peace be upon him first of all said of your brother and first of all we need to make sure that what we do the person that we're interacting with we're safe they are like someone who's like our brother they're not, they're not going to bring us harm that requires common sense and for you to know who you're dealing with so mm-hmm. because there are quite frankly realistically there are people out there mm-hmm. that might have malicious intent so you first of all need to have that common sense inside of you that what you're doing about to do is that absolutely the safe and right thing to do and i think we absolutely we need to stress that mm-hmm. we need to stress that because if you don't stress that you might end up getting in trouble but yes. this isn't this is also another thing for example there's someone who might be asking for money now we can't define that absolutely the, the act of kindness is to give them money that's our definition of it right but it might not be the right act of kindness there we need to first use our intellect and understanding to f- first define what is the what is the right thing to do here what is going to be kindness quote unquote and it could be a different thing for example we, we already know the proverb i love my proverbs you can what was it again you can uh, feed a man a fish mm-hmm. feed him for a day teach a man to fish feed him for life mm-hmm. and sometimes someone might come to you for help or you might want to help someone and rather than looking at the the direct benefit of what that might achieve we might want to start thinking about perhaps i can help them in a different way mm-hmm. that might have a a lasting benefit it might not have to be something i have to do immediately even and then you can start thinking like that as well so if you feel like there's someone here if i say something now it might have a strange reaction then perhaps you can start thinking hold on a minute are there any ways that i can prevent this from, situation from occurring in the future is there any legal way i can approach this is any charities i can approach you don't have to answer that problem or solve it right there and then just because you saw it mm-hmm. but it's something that you can proactively try and challenge later on in your life in a safe environment in an environment where you've got the right advice so i think yeah this is what i mean by common sense mm-hmm. you have to have that inside of you being naive and blindly doing these things yes it could potentially get you into that trouble and that i think as well when we when we do these things we have to like i said even with good things we have to start with bismillah rahman rahim in the name of allah the most gracious the ever merciful god almighty always tells us when you begin something mm-hmm. start it with that even if it's a good thing because sometimes even good intentions even good ideas may not have the results the that you intended thing. yeah so always pray to god mm-hmm. before you do something even if it's good in your mind this is as a muslim i hold that really dear i think that oh this is great this is a great initiative but i still think about it let me pray for, let me pray on that first let me think about that first and then go ahead there's one different aspect of kindness <clears throat> which kind of dr jillian also um alluded to 
we live in a day and age at the moment where there is a cost of living crisis. Yeah. Um, which is not, it's, it's only the beginning. We're going to be in it for a while. Hmm. And there is a, a, a lot of people out there uh, who do need, um, who, who do need help, assistance. Hmm. And, and we all know, because if we were to uh, think about it from our, ourselves, one of the hardest things to do is to ask for help. <coughs> as much as there are so many um, organizations out there, everybody, even here we talk about it, that, you know, the, the, the first step of, of uh, kind of uh, resolving any issues is to ask for help. Mm. Um, there shouldn't be any shame in asking yeah. for help. Um, and it is the responsibility of the giver of assistance to eliminate that shamefulness. Mm. And that's an act of kindness. That is. But I wanted to come to the financial aspect of it. Yes, that if we know we can afford to help someone, mm. and you, you, you give someone money because you know it's going to go a long way mm. for them, the act of kindness isn't giving. But the act of kindness is that you know it will make a difference to your life if you don't ask for it back. That's the thing. And that's where the sacrifice element comes into kindness. Is that correct? No, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> I think there is an element of giving mm -hmm. where it doesn't affect you necessarily. Yeah. But of course, the Holy Quran also puts extra emphasis mm -hmm. on a kind of way of helping, a kind of way of kindness, which requires a little bit more of a struggle. Yes. And the Holy Quran, the Ahadith have said that the person who sits there and the Mujahid, they're not the same. So a mujahid, meaning that's someone who intentionally puts himself in struggle. In fact, the Quran goes as far as to say, and I'll quickly say the Arabic, that basically translates to such people who will put themselves in a state of difficulty and they will put other people before them, mm -hmm. even though they're starving themselves. Mm -hmm. The reward for such a person is completely different. It's above and beyond. So that, absolutely, you're right. It's a different kind of sacrifice. It's a different kind of kindness. And God Almighty has personally promised to such people that that reward, I will take care of that reward. Yeah. Don't, don't wait for that here in this life. I'll take care of that. So that, yes, that is something there. But Qiyum, Brother Qiyum Raza, I was thinking all of this, you know, we've been talking for so long about the world doesn't seem to be a kind place. And I think that's a very subjective statement. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to feel about that. And the reason why I say that, Raza, is because, I'll say that because we always think of kindness, like I said, in these broad terms. But sometimes, and, and especially the research said that the, when we asked the people, when was the last time that you, someone was kind to you? And they thought about the random guy, like, 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 like I gave the example of someone who gives you space in traffic or someone who helps you in a shopping center. There were strangers. Mm. And I was wondering, wow, most of us remember acts of kindness from strangers. And it's, it's almost as if we don't even recognize or attribute the word kindness to things that potentially our family might be doing to us on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Our mothers, our fathers, our brothers, sisters and our children, our friends. Mm -hmm. We take it for granted. Mm -hmm. And that's why perhaps we don't remember it when someone asks us, when was the last time someone was kind to you? Yeah. It might have been this morning. It, but we take it for granted. Because perhaps if you're the kind of person that someone gives you breakfast, for example, and you've been in that situation for years and years and years, if someone asks you what was the last time someone was kind to you, you might not think, hmm. it might not come to your mind that, oh, 
my mother made me breakfast this morning. Yeah. I'm really grateful for that. But because we've forgotten about that, that the being an act of kindness. And we need to start recognizing what are the things that happen in our life where people are kind to us and we've almost taken it for granted. Have we ever said thank you to them? Have we ever made them feel like that's not going unrecognized? And I say this is really important from an Islamic perspective because God Almighty says that that whoever doesn't hmm. show gratitude and thankfulness to people cannot in reality be grateful to God either. Hmm. And that's because unless you're not fully conscious of all the blessings that you have, I'm grateful that I have parents. I'm grateful that I have a car. I might have it every single day, so I'm, I'm oblivious to it now, but I have it. And only then can you sincerely realize, wow, these are all blessings from God. So until you don't have that sort of perspective, how can you truly say thanks to God? Because hmm. you've, forgotten, you've forgotten about all these things. So I'm, that's why I argue saying that the world isn't necessarily a kind place. It's very subjective. It, yeah. it might be that there's kindness all around us, but we need to recognize that as well. There is kindness. Well, I agree with you. But I, I also think that the way we define the world <laughs> has yeah. changed. Um, in, in my lifetime, I can't remember a time when people who govern us people who make the rules um, in the world that we live mm -hmm. have ever been in, in, in the state they're in at the moment. Mm -hmm. So when, when I'm talking of um, that I don't see an act of kindness, I see the world diminishing in ethics, values and morals. It isn't the individual anymore. It's the structure, isn't it? That's right. Whereas before, there was a structure in place which, which, um, which valued ethics and morals uh, and people still kind of said okay we know that there's a template there i, I my fear um, as a parent as as a person who is of a certain age in the society is that for the generation that is out there that template has been corroded <clears throat> and, and hence why um it's good that we have started to have days to 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 kind to 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 okay. keep that candle lit, that look, maybe okay. uh, that that, uh, that the structure will rebuild and okay. the future people will come and say, look, the, the the day's gone. There was value there. Okay, well, you're you're concerned, as in uh, you're saying that you're an older parent, you're concerned mm. for your children. But Raza, I mean, it comes back to the same point. Like you're saying mm. that a day is a, yes, it might be a good thing, but what else? How do we normalize? That, that's the question. How do we normalize it? How do we make it? And I think this this is. But going back to the, the beginning of the show, we saw, we see these videos, we get inspired by yeah. them, right? So why why do we have to look at others to, to get inspired? Why are why are we not the inspiration ourselves? Hmm. Isn't I, that I, what the Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, wanted? But I agree with you, 100%. But then it goes also back to, if I have done an act of kindness, <laughs> which most people have on an individual basis, hmm. most people do, but they don't want to talk about it. Because hmm. again, it goes back to... Um, do an act of kindness, but then your left doesn't know your right has done it, or your right doesn't know your left has done it. You do it because you know the reason you're doing it isn't for any reward or worldly reward. Mm. Um, you know, it, it is for, for that reward hereafter. So, yes, you practice it on a daily basis, but then maybe we need to highlight that sometimes an act of kindness does need to be spoken about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely it does. I mean, the Quran says, that As for the bounty and blessings that you have attained in this life, sometimes you have to talk about them. Yeah. Why? So that people can realize, first of all, become inspired. They want to emulate it. They want to try and achieve that. 
So the Quran instructs us. It's not as should we, we should. It's you have to. Hmm. So that's why I said that there's a balance between the two things. And kindness. We're talking. You're talking about things from a structural basis. Yeah. For me, as a Muslim living in this country where we have the option to write to our MP, for example, hmm. I would say that if you do that with the intention of trying to make a change that you saw wrong in society, yeah. that's kindness. It might not be something that gives you that dopamine hit straight away yeah. because you helped someone on the train and wow, does it smile. Hmm. But yeah, it's just something that you can do as well. Wonderful. Jazakallah. Thank you very much for that. Gentlemen, we are going to go to the 5 o'clock news and then we'll be back after that. And we're going to move on to the second topic for today, which is about a spiritual journey, spiritual journeys undertaken by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him by the name Isra and Miraj. What exactly that is and how do we understand what differs our view from the mainstream Muslim view? All of that coming up after the news at 5. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum, peace upon you, and welcome back to the Draft Time Show here on the Voice of Islam today with myself, Raza, Brother Qayyum, and Brother Kamar Zafar. Um, we have just been talking about the Random Acts of Kindness Day. And we're going to return with uh, you know some of the the things that we've taken away from that in just a little bit at the end of the program. Now, moving on, as I said before, we're going to introduce to you maybe w- would be the right word mm. two spiritual journeys that were undertaken by the Holy Prophet of Islam, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, known in the Islamic terminology as Isra and Miraj. Um, what exactly that was, were they one and the same journey? Was it a physical journey? Was it a spiritual journey? What to what was a lesson learned from that? All of these things we're going to try to answer in this part of the program. We believe that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was the perfect man and the most beloved of God Almighty. So much so that, you know, the the that God Almighty declared that O Prophet or O Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Were it not for you, I would not have created the universe. I wouldn't have bothered bothered to create this universe. His whole life was spent absorbed in you know this this love of God's unity that the world had not witnessed uh, before that. Even his opponents ascribed him as being madly in love with his Lord. He exclu- secluded himself from the society that he lived in just to worship his Lord, and it was based on that love that he had. That God Almighty chose him to be the prophet of the age, to, to chose him to be the last law-bearing prophet ever to be sent. However, he possessed no supernatural powers, nor did he claim that he you know, had any. He was subject to the same conditions and limitations as his contemporaries. He suffered more than most and achieved outstanding success success in his lifetime. And like other men, he was a son, he was a husband, he was a father. And God appointed him as a teacher and as a guide. In chapter 18, verse 111, God Almighty states, and this is the prophet of Allah speaking, say, I am only a man like yourselves, but I have received the revelation that your God is only one God. So let him who hopes to meet his Lord do good deeds and let him join no one in the worship of his Lord. Um, Yes. 
I, I have a question sure. before you guys go into the technicalities of, of this, this narrative and this, this, this topic yeah. that we're talking about. Both of you are imams, um, and uh, the question that comes to mind is, uh, prophets throughout history, age, from Prophet Adam all the way to the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. A lot of people talk about miracles, a lot of yeah, people absolutely. talk about um, events that have happened over time. And we know as human beings that God created a um, the law of nature, of the yeah. way the world is. Yeah. And everything needs to be kind of, again, this is my understanding, and please do correct me here, that sure. everything we believe in needs to be rational and needs to be able to be understood. No? Mm. Or, 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 yes. or, or am I correct here? <laughs> I think I think you're you're right. Okay, can I? Yeah, you, you ask the question first, and then let's see. Okay, so so that's my understanding of it, and and the reason I ask is I I want to ask from a from a, and the reason I'm asking is I'm a layman. I'm the man out there who's okay. thinking, okay, I'm I'm believing in this thing, but it's got to make sense to me. Okay, and and miracles and and certain events right happen. So God does God expect people to be able to do things which kind of fall outside the okay. laws that he's created. All right. I think, first of all, let's just address the Muslims first. Okay. Because okay. there's two sides of the coin to this. Okay. There are those who say that everything that Islam prescribes has to fit in with exactly what modern day science talks about. Yes. Mm. And that's what we just know now. Okay. It's okay. something that we necessarily may not have believed before. We might not even believe it in a hundred years. Yeah. That's one thing. Sure. And then there are those Muslims, where mm. I stand, yep. who say that we have everything that we say has to fall in with the brackets of what God in the Quran has defined as a law. Okay. So this has got nothing to do with today's topic. But for example, if God says that, or actually this is kind of to do with today's topic, that nobody Cause, cause this falls into that nobody who God says clearly in the Quran that if somebody dies, yep. they cannot return. So this yep. is a law. Not yeah. not scientists hasn't said this, yeah. and it's not been written in any any other book. It's in the Quran. Yeah. So therefore, as a Muslim. I would take this as an absolute that this is a law that God has subscribed. Now that won't change tomorrow. It wasn't something that a Muslim hundred years ago didn't believe in. Mm. So these are absolutes for us. And that's why I say that when we talk about miracles and we talk about anything, they are always going to be within the confines which God has created as laws. Mm. Do we as modern science today understand those modern laws? Obviously that's argued because the very fact of the matter is that that's changing day by day, yeah. our understanding of mm. it. That's where I would just simply draw the line. But you're right. A miracle within the confines of the laws of God. Mm -hmm. If God says this can't happen, then a miracle will not take place that goes against that particular exactly. thing. That, and, and like the perfect example you gave, to date, that I know of, a man has never gone, a man or a person, I should say, mm. has never died and come back to life again. Well, I, I think it's really important. I'm sure that there's probably a few people wondering right now, why on earth are we talking about this? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, and I think I yeah. think I want to just quickly just clarify Please. for yeah. me as, as uh, anyway why it's important. Mm -hmm. um, I was on social media, on Instagram, I think maybe about two months ago. Yeah. And actually, right now, recently, if you've been watching anything, you would realize that it's not only the Muslims, but even the Jews now are starting to talk a lot, especially in the last month, mm. about the return of uh, the Messiah. Messiah. 
Yes. And this foretold person, and there was actually some people in 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 Jerusalem that believed that perhaps their Messiah has come back, yeah. and that's why a lot of talk is going on. And the Muslims are also thinking the same thing, same thing. because of all of these signs. Some of them are saying, "Oh, the Earth's core has stopped yeah. revolving. Oh, there's rivers randomly coming out of uh, Saudi Arabia." So there's talk of what's going on. Yeah. The latter day signs: signs is the Messiah going to come back? Yeah. And that's why, first of all, Israel Miraj is important. Why? Because. The belief is, and let me just clarify, this is not the belief of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. The belief mm. is that the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, through the Isra or the Miraj, however you take it, physically ascended to the heavens for a while and came back. Mm. And therefore, we say that if the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, could have done that, if he was able to, as a prophet, go to the skies and return, then this belief that this Messiah, this Jesus, who is currently somewhere in the heavens and is going to come back and save the world mm. is also very much possible mm. because the Prophet Muhammad peace be on him did it. So the question we now need to ask is, number one, within the laws of God that we say is the Quran, mm. the laws that he's made absolute, is such a miracle possible? Mm. Number two, is this something which is authentically established from not only the Quran but also the traditions of the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him? Mm. If it isn't, then we need to start asking further questions. Yeah. How will this Jesus come back? Uh, anyway, that is why this is important, I think. And w when we're going to delve into this, I hope that everybody keeps that in mind. That this is basically talking about this Messiah, this context, and everything that comes around so, it. So what we're saying in, in simple terms is, is it physical or was it spiritual? spiritual? That's the core difference here. Well, physical, was it spiritual? What was it like? Yep. Yeah. Or was it a vision or, you know... Yeah, I don't think there's any Muslim yeah. that says that Islam Miraj did not happen. Yes. Like, that's not even a that's discussion. Not, yeah. that's not there's no one, it's, it's how it happened. There's no one that can argue that. And yeah. the reason why they can't argue that, because even if you put the hadith, which are the narrations of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, to one side for just a moment, mm -hmm. the incidents themselves are mentioned in the Quran. And it just simply cannot yeah. be disputed. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, the dispute is about whether they're one and the same thing, whether they're separate. If they were, were they physical, <laughs> were they spiritual, and what was the meaning behind it? Meaning them? behind it. Yeah, yep. that's 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 very important. So let's get into this. Then, what exactly? What was miraj? What was isra? So, as you, as I said before, these are two terms or two words that have been used to describe two events, mm. as we just established. The question that we need to answer, and the question that we were trying to answer right now, and as well after five thirty. Uh, Imam Akid Kang is going to join us here in the studio as well. Was it a physical journey? Meaning that, let's say, in the in 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 the instance of Miraj, which happened, um, you know, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when he was in Mecca, did he rise up physically to the heavens? Did he mm. see God Almighty? Did he converse with God Almighty? Did he receive any commandments from God from God, wow. from God Almighty? or not and then when it comes to Isra hmm. which is the night journey that he undertook from Mecca to Jerusalem right but Raza but is it though because there's a lot of Muslims that would say that Isra and the Miraj were not two different journeys that, I, I was going to come oh, to that okay. <laughs> or or the third possibility <laughs> now is that was it two is it two words for the same thing? to describe one event ah. right so right. now three things that we have to solve right. here, gentlemen. Where do we, we start? Got Forty-five <laughs> minutes. I'll give it fifteen minutes to eat. Yes. Right. All right. Now, let's start with the incident of Miraj. Then. Okay. Yeah. 
Now, from from our understanding, first of all, let let me just there's a verse in the Holy Quran that says that, and this is something that we've been talking about just right now. This is from chapter seventeen, verse ninety four. In when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and not just him actually, prophets of God have always been asked this question that if you are right, if you are truthful, if you are really sent by God, yeah. then show us a sign. And right. usually that thing is, oh, we want to see angels descend. Yeah. We want to see books descend. Yeah. We want you to go up to the heavens. Well, in the time of the Holy Prophet, Muhammad, exactly. peace be upon him, they we, specifically asked exactly. him, we want you to go up to the heavens yeah. and bring back a book the, that's, as that, a miracle. Exactly. So that's the sign that people want to see. And look... <laughs> As as is the case with people who are like you know who don't want to believe, you can show them any sign what whatsoever they're not going to believe, right? Mm. But the prophets of God Almighty, and in this case the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when he was asked this question again, chapter seventeen verse ninety four, it speaks. He, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him said that holy is Allah, I am but a man sent as a messenger. And it is against the custom of Allah for a man sent as a messenger of Allah. To ascend into the heavens in this way. Well, that's exactly what was understood from it. Because if the people, specifically those who were the idolaters, were asking the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and also some of the Jews as well, that show us a sign for your truthfulness. And they are, they specifically asked him to, to go up to the heavens as a sign of yeah. his greatness, of his uh, prophetic status. The Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, well, I'm just a man. Signifying the fact that even I... A prophet of God, and yeah. we believe him to be the greatest prophet. If he said that this is out of his bounds and this is something that he cannot do, then we should understand from that 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 is something that cannot be achieved. Yeah. It's something that is out of the tradition of God. So this is quite simple. We should we should really begin from this. Yeah. That when we look at the Isra and the Miraj, take it whatever whichever way you want. Mm. If the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him is on the one hand in one place clearly saying, even when he's been asked to show it, mm. that I can't do that. I can't go up to the sky. And then at the same time we in the same breath <laughs> say that, oh no, but later on he changed his mind. Yeah. Yeah, he said, No, it's all right. Isra's Isra happened. Let me No, he didn't change his mind. God changes his yeah, mind. Yeah, God, God even changed his mind. <laughs> so that that's a contradictory statement. Yeah, yeah. So therefore we need to question this. Yeah. What's the reality behind that? And we can see that uh, Hazrat Ibn Abbas, who was one of the greatest uh, scholars of Islam, mm-hmm. actually stated um, that the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, saw God with his heart yeah. twice. Yeah. And what he meant, he specified with his heart. First of all, meaning that it was a vision, it wasn't physical, because yeah. nobody can see God with their eyes. Okay, He said twice. First of all, this indicates that Islam and Iraj were two different things. Mm-hmm. But on top of this, Hazrat Aisha anha, states, that whoever says that they have seen God with their eyes has lied. Yeah. So when you put these two things together, we understand that not only were these two separate incidents, but nobody can physically have seen or witnessed God with their own eyes. It had to be a spiritual incident alone. So obviously there are many, many arguments for this. Yeah, yeah we're going to have to go into them. No, we, we will definitely will. But um, before we get into this, on this then, I would suggest... Or somebody could say that, look, um, when we, there's a whole different can of worms that we're going to open here, right? right. So, so bear with me here. Mm. You are talking about historians. You are talking about 
narrations. Yeah, which, which are secondary sources. Which are secondary sources. Maybe even third. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> even third in, in some people's eyes. And some people just, you know, reject them altogether. Yeah, of course. But how do we then... So the order should be... The Quran. The Quran first. So the holy book that we're talking yeah. about, this is directly revealed by God Almighty. Nothing has been added. Nothing well, has been I'm, taken I'm kind of glad you said that. That makes our life even easier. Yeah. It does. <laughs> because if you want to look at just the Quran to begin with, and we want to look at these incidents, yeah. and I stress on the word S as a plural, we can see that there are two different incidents mentioned in the Quran in two completely separate places. Yeah. In chapter Bani Israel first, yeah. and then another incident in uh, Surah Al-Najm. Yes. And why would they be separate, two separate places if they were the one in the same thing? And why have they been described differently yeah. if they were one in the same thing? Chapter Bani Israel talks about a night journey to Jerusalem. Yes. Al-Bayt al-Muqaddas, whereas the chapter in Najm talks about a spiritual ascension to the heavens. Why have they been described separately in two different places? We should, we would love to hear from anybody an answer for this. Yeah. So if we, I mean, look, this is this is a good good um, prompt here. If any of our, let's say, Muslim brothers and sisters listening out there, if you have any questions on this, if you have heard your whole life that this was a physical journey. What I want to know from you, wh- why would you, what's the proof that it was a physical journey? How did you come to this conclusion? And if you don't, um, haven't heard of this being a spiritual journey, then, well, uh, you still got 40 minutes to keep listening. Mm-hmm. But if you have any questions, if you have any comments, we'd love to hear from you. 0208687778 is the number for you to call. Now, I want to start off, let's say, with Surah An-Najm that you mentioned, chapter 53. This right. one talks specifically about... Al-Mi'raj. Exactly. So the Miraj incident. Let's let's start with chapter uh, 53. So it starts off with, in the name of Allah, the gracious and merciful. By the star when it falls, your companion has neither erred nor has he gone astray. Nor does he speak out of his own desire. It is nothing but pure revelation revealed by God. The Lord of mighty powers has taught him. The one possessor of strength. So he manifested his ascendance over everything. And he revealed his word when he was on the uppermost horizon. Then he drew nearer to God. Then he came down to mankind. So that he became, as it were, one cord to two bows, to two bows or closer still. Then it continues... Then he revealed to his servant that which he revealed. The heart of the Prophet was not untrue to that which he saw. Will you then dispute with him about what he saw? And certainly he saw him, meaning God, a second time also, near the farthest low tree, near which is the garden of eternal abode. This was when that which covers cover the low tree. The eye deviated not, nor did it wonder. Surely he saw the greatest of the signs of his Lord. Now tell me about Latin. So he continues from there. That is, you know, the brief description. Description basically. So it goes chapters uh, fifty-three verses six to eighteen, six to nineteen, six to twenty, uh, depending on you know what you look at. But in a nutshell, this is what has been described, isn't it? This is what's been described, and we know this is talking about the Mi'raj. It mentions the Siddatul Muntaha, a tree, which has also then been backed up in narrations yeah. of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. This is exactly what occurred on that, on that, in that visionary process. Now, why are we saying it's a visionary process? We have to start getting into this now. 
First of all, very clearly, the Holy Quran in this chapter stated what you wrote, um, said, Reza, mm-hmm. is that the heart did not lie in what he saw. Yeah. Now, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is described that his heart witnessed this. Not yeah. his eyes, not his brain, but his heart. And this is extremely important because when your heart witnesses something, it's got something to do with the spiritual realm, not to do with the physical realm. And this is really, really important. And we can see further that if we look at all of the narrations of the, of, of the incident of Mi'araj, mm. doesn't matter which one you look at, it mentions the fact that before this began, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was aware, and this is unanimously accepted, yeah. he was in Mecca in the courtyard. What was he doing? He was falling asleep. Yeah. His eyes were beginning to close, but his heart was awake. Yeah. And at the end of this entire incident, we find that he woke up which means that he came alive from some kind of slumber or some kind of spiritual state. All of this, again, indicating the fact that this was some kind of vision or dream that occurred. And Hazrat Aisha also backs up this statement, which is very, very strong, saying that during this entire incident of Mi'raj, the body of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, never left the ground where it stayed. If it didn't leave the ground where it stayed, how could this journey have happened physically? Again, it's something that I'm interested to hear about from anybody who might have a different opinion. Yeah. So these are, I think, uh, just for the Miraj speaking, some of the, the, the clear reasons for why this couldn't have been a physical ascension. We've also spoken earlier about the law of God, that people who enter paradise, hmm. that they cannot then be returned to yeah. this earth. If God Almighty has set this as a law, and at the same time in the, in the Quran, God says La that God doesn't change the way he works. He doesn't change his rules at a whim. Not yeah. for anyone. Yeah. So then if there is a law that you can't come back from paradise, how could the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him go to paradise and come back? It goes against the very teaching that he brought. Hmm. So these are the main questions sure. and the main points. <clears throat> uh, just one point, uh, just for the benefit of the layman out there. When uh, um, Kamar talks of uh, Hazrat Aisha, the reason it gives much more significance oh, yeah. is she is the wife of the Holy Prophet. Yeah, yeah. Blessing, so Absolutely. So that kind of gives it that much more credibility. Secondly, um, we talked of common sense earlier and rationality. <clears throat> if God has to change the law he made, hmm. then surely you change things if you make a mistake. Hmm. That means yeah. there was God can't make a mistake because... God made a mistake, he's not God. Right, so you're trying to basically show that perhaps this belief could lead us into suspicions which don't actually exist. Exactly. Okay, that's absolutely right. You're right, that if we begin to challenge the fact that potentially if we, and it's just such an obvious thing, right? Yeah. That we're beginning to challenge the fact that the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, went to, went to heavens. Yes. And without thinking about it, inadvertently, we're trying to question then the law that's placed in the Quran. Exactly. Well, that's probably a mistake then. Yes. But well, that's obviously something that a Muslim would never want to do. Exactly. Yes. So we wouldn't. <laughs> yes. But, but also from the other perspective, people who do believe that it was a physical journey, mm. they, they're questioning God then. The thing is, I, I don't know if they know that. that that's where we're... No, we're, but this is the problem, isn't it? That, I the, think it's fair that we, we're here to educate. Yes. We're here to make people realize that this is probably the reality behind the situation. Exactly. Um, we, we know that there is a spiritual significance behind it. We keep talking about spiritual, spiritual, spiritual. Yeah. We'll prove it, right? Yes. The whole point is that the, 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 this, this whole ascension, what was it about? 
he met different prophets in paradise. The, That's key. You see, yeah. that I was going to Go ask on, that yeah. question. Yes. There is a significance. Yeah. There is very important that people know because people so often talk about, oh, if he physically went up and they're so uh, question the the journey hmm. that they forget when he got there, what happened? Well, <laughs> here's the thing, right? I'm going to say this both for the Isra and the Miraj. Let's uh-huh. just do this now because these were supposed to be signs. Yes. Okay. For the people. Clarify that. Yeah, because this is where clarification is needed. Yeah. If they were physical signs, then it was necessary that the physical sign had to be witnessed by people. Mm-hmm. No one witnessed it. Not, not a single person saw the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, going up to the heavens and be like, wow, what a great sign. No one saw the Holy Prophet Sallallahu going to, Bani, uh, to Jerusalem and saying, wow, we saw it. So if it was supposed to be a physical sign, mm-hmm. it should have been a physical sign. People should have seen it. Because it failed to do that, it couldn't have been a physical sign. Mm. It had to be a spiritual sign. Now the onus is on us to prove that it was a spiritual sign. But I, the question that for me, again, I'll keep on saying I'm a layman because you two are imams. If the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, took it as a physical journey, that means all the other prophets he met, they were not physical? They were physical? Hmm. I mean, what, it puts what, into, it puts what, into what question. What form were they? So uh, you're jumping the gun here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you're, 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 you're going a bit too far. Oh, okay. Before we get to that, it's uh-huh. a valid question. Uh-huh. It's a very interesting question. Nobody actually knows right now what happened. Okay, my right? apologies. So we we sorry. just mentioned the two incidents. What happened exactly? From where to where? The journey from where to where? Yeah. What happened in that journey? We're about to explain that, right? So we're going to go yeah. into the detail. For that, awesome. for us to find out about that in, in, in more detail, we will have to look at the narrations. There we have to, because there, there exactly. isn't any other mention other than that. Yes. So go on. So on <laughs> the night, uh, I mean, look, there, there are different narrations from that. I am taking the, I wouldn't say summary, but the most authentic narrations that have been put together and that is from the book, The Seal of the Prophets, Volume 1, which was written by um, Hazrat Mizah Bashir Ahmed, may Allah be pleased with him, who is a brother of the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Okay. Now, everything, again, he has given all the references, he has given all the books and the sources that he has taken that information from. So let's go through the first um, incident, which is the Miraj. Go on. So one night, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was resting in a section of the Masjid al-Haram, which referred to as the Hatim. He was in the middle state of sleep and wakefulness. In other words, the eye of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, slept, but his heart was awake. When the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, saw Gabriel appear. Gabriel approached the Holy Prophet and woke him up, brought him to the fountain of Zamzam and cut open his breast, after which he thoroughly cleansed the heart of the Holy Prophet, peace and, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, with pure water. That alone, okay, that alone. <laughs> that, that's the first thing. Somebody <laughs> will have to make notes. So <laughs> cut open the breast, take out his heart, wash it with, with pure water. Exactly. After this, a golden platter full of faith and wisdom was brought. Second thing, a platter with, with, with faith and wisdom. And it was gold. And it was gold, which is technically uh, not permissible. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that, that, I didn't think of that. Yeah, good one, good catch. Now, Gabriel filled the heart of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, with this treasure of wisdom and faith, and then sealed the breast of the Holy Prophet. Hmm. Gabriel then ascended into the heavens with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and upon reaching the door of the first heaven, he knocked. The gatekeeper inquired, "Who is it?" 
Gabriel responded, It is I, Gabriel, and with me is Muhammad. The gatekeeper inquired, Has Muhammad been summoned? Gabriel answered in the affirmative. At this, the gatekeeper opened the door and welcomed the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. When the Holy Prophet entered, he saw an elderly man who addressed him saying, Welcome, O righteous prophet. Prophet, Welcome, O righteous son. The Holy Prophet also presented him with the greetings of peace. The shadow of a large number of spirits fell upon this man. When he looked to his right, his face would glow in delight. But when he looked to his left, his face would shrivel in grief. The Holy Prophet asked Gabriel, Who is this honorable man? This is Adam, responded Gabriel. And to the right of him among his progeny is the shadow of the people of paradise, looking towards whom he becomes delighted. To the left of him is the shadow of the people of fire, looking towards whom he feels grief. After this, Gabriel took the Holy Prophet forward, and at the gate of the second heaven he was confronted with the same occurrence. Upon entering, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, saw two men who warmly received him, saying, Welcome, O righteous prophet, welcome, O righteous brother. The Holy Prophet also presented them greetings of peace, and Gabriel told him that this is Jesus and John, who are cousins. Again, for our Christian listeners, Again, Jesus and John, both of them have been mentioned. Yeah. Similarly, Gabriel took the Holy Prophet with him to the third, fourth, and fifth heaven where he met Joseph, Enoch, and Aaron correspondingly. At the sixth heaven, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, met Moses, peace be upon him, and he welcomed him in the same manner. The Holy Prophet also gave him greetings of peace. When the Holy Prophet started ahead, Moses began to weep. At this, a voice was heard. Oh, Moses, why do you weep? Moses said, Oh, my Lord, this young man came from behind me, but his community shall enter paradise more so than my own. O oh my Lord, I did not believe that someone could come after me, yet surpass me still. After this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, entered the seventh heaven, where he met Abraham, who was leaning against the Bayt al-Mamur. The Bayt al-Mamur was the center of the heavenly places of worship, for which the Kaaba was erected in this world at its, as its symbolic representation. Abraham also greeted the Holy Prophet in the same way as Adam, because in the likeness of Adam, he was also a grandfather to the Holy Prophet. And the Holy Prophet also presented him with greetings of peace. After this, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, moved forward and reached where no man had laid foot before. The Prophet heard the sound of many pens writing from above him, which were as if the pens of decree and destiny. The Holy Prophet saw a low tree, which was as if the final point of relation between the heaven and this world. Hmm. And from it began the final abode of paradise. The fruit of leaves of this low tree were very large and of a strange type. When the Holy Prophet looked to this tree, an inexplicable manifestation was shown upon it, about which the Holy Prophet says, words have not the power to describe it. There were four rivers flowing beneath this tree. Gabriel told the Holy Prophet that among these two rivers are the physical rivers of, those, of this world, the Nile River and the Euphrates. The other two are the hidden rivers which flow to paradise. At this instant, the Holy Prophet witnessed Gabriel in his actual figure and form. The Holy Prophet saw that Gabriel was adorned with 600 wings. After this, the Holy Prophet was given a tour of paradise. In the end, the Holy Prophet witnessed that he was presented in the royal court of the mighty God. Allah the Exalted directly spoke to the Holy Prophet and gave him various glad tidings. Eventually, he was informed by God the Almighty that 50 prayers had been prescribed for the community yeah. of the Holy Prophet day and night. When the Holy Prophet returned with these injunctions, Moses stopped him on the way and inquired, What injunctions have you been given? 
the Holy Prophet related the ordainment of 50 prayers. When Moses heard this, he was startled and said, I am experienced on account of my dealings with the Bani Israel, meaning the children of Israel. In no way shall your community be able to bear so many prayers. Thus, go back and request God to lighten these commands. So again, I'm cutting this short. This happens three times. And then, um, um, you know, back and forth and goes down to five prayers. Um, o Muhammad, again, these are five prayers, but they are equivalent to 50, for we have fixed a reward of 10 prayers for every one prayer. In this manner, our servants have received leniency and our actual order has been upheld. After this, passing through the different heavens, when the Holy Prophet came down again, his eyes were opened, meaning you know, this state of vision began to fade. The Holy Prophet noticed that he was still resting in the Masjid al-Haram just as before. Excellent. That is a very comprehensive analysis yes. and understanding of what happened in the Miraj. And if we are going to just take a look at the fact hmm. that first of all, this is going to a separate incident to Isra. That's the first question. It yes. is because in this whole narration, there is no mention of him traveling to Jerusalem, number hmm. one. If we're going to tackle the question of this being a spiritual or physical journey, then first of all, this is my question to the Muslims who believe that Jesus is, Jesus is currently alive. Hmm. Uh, if, the, if the Holy Prophet physically went to paradise, uh, what was Jesus doing there? <laughs> because he's not supposed to be there. He's not supposed to be there. Right. <laughs> Question number one. Um, we've already mentioned how the whole opening of his chest yeah. and him t have, um, taking from a gold platter, these are all things where in, within the laws of what we understand in Islam could not be possible. Yeah. So it couldn't have been a physical thing. Otherwise, we would be asking different questions about what the Holy Prophet did. It was a spiritual thing. Now, how do we understand that this was a spiritually significant incident? First of all, we can see that the whole purpose of this was to illustrate to everybody that the message of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, that he brought hmm. was far superior and is above yes. all of the messages that the other prophets have brought in the past, so including Hazrat Abraham, Islam, who was actually shocked to see that a prophet could have even gone ahead of him. Moses. And this was, sorry, Moses. This was supposed to show the grandeur of this spiritual status. And also then we see the spiritual importance of this Ascension was that the prayers that we offer as Muslims five times a day, the basis of that was from this journey. Yeah. And this is a very huge spiritual gift to us that God has given to the Muslims that you can pray five times a day. This is the way you can come to me spiritually, mm. spiritually speaking. And it's equivalent to 50 basically. Right. So this is why it's spiritually very significant of a journey to us as Muslims. And I think it's crucial we understand that. Uh, you're absolutely right. I think that the prayer fact that is something that we don't realize that this was directly given by God Almighty in a vision, yep. and it's like to make life easier for his for his ummah for his for his community for the for the billions and trillions of people to come after him to make that life easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He went three times to God. Yeah. Thanks to Moses. I mean, I mean. It's, yeah. So it's, it's, that's why it's so important spiritually speaking, and I think that's. I think we, we, it suffices at this point to, to have, if someone wants to understand really yeah. what this was all about, they would, would know by now, I hope, that this was a spiritual incident. We mm. haven't yet spoken about Isra, and I'm sure that when we do, it will become quite vastly clear that they were two separate things. All right, so before we um, get Imam Akil here into the studio, let's wrap th through or let's go through the incident of Isra. Okay. Which was again from Mecca to Jerusalem, and in chapter seventeen, which is Surah Bani Israel, a different uh, chapter, chapter, a different chapter. Um, uh, this whole incident has been mentioned, you know, very briefly. Yeah. 
And in that, it says, so again, I'm going to uh, give you a summary of the details mentioned in the narrations pertinent to this incident in specific. Here we go. One night, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, saw that an angel came to him and an animal larger than a donkey, but smaller than a mule named Burak, which was extremely beautiful, white colored, and of a long body was presented before him and he was mounted upon it. It took the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to Jerusalem. The steps of this animal would move in such speed as every step would take the sight to its final limit. The Holy Prophet reached Jerusalem very quickly, where he tied this animal in quarters where past prophets would tie it. Mm. Then the Holy Prophet entered the mosque, where a company of past prophets in which Abraham, Moses and Jesus have been especially mentioned were already present. The Holy Prophet offered his salat, meaning his prayers, with them. See, I'm, I'm, I've read this so many times, but I've never looked at this point specifically. Mm. So, can, is it the same thing? It, this one, it, at least, must have happened after, because, again, he's praying, yeah. which... It's not the same thing. It, it can't be before Miraj, because prayer was not ordained at mm. that time. That's a very so, good point. So, I mean, what is happening here? Let, let's, let's, let's keep going. So, the Prophet offered his salat, his prayer, with them, in which he led the congregation, and the other Prophets followed. After this, Gabriel, as the angel, this angel was Gabriel, presented the Holy Prophet with two cups. In one of them was milk, and in the other was alcohol. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, chose the cup of milk and rejected the alcohol, upon which Gabriel said, You have understood that which is natural, for if you had taken the cup of alcohol, your community would have gone astray. Hmm, I believe some narrations also mention water as well as an option. Yes, yeah, exactly. Now, moving on. When Gabriel brought Barak before the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and he began to mount himself, it glimmered, upon which Gabriel said, Halt, halt, my God, to this day no man of such greatness has mounted upon you. At this he began to perspire profusely in embarrassment and stood silently. After this the Holy Prophet mounted himself upon it, and along with Gabriel he started off towards Jerusalem. En route, the Holy Prophet encountered an old lady, and when he asked Gabriel, Who is this? Gabriel said, Move forward, move forward. When the Holy Prophet moved forward, after some time, someone called him from one side of the path, saying, Muhammad, come here. But Gabriel once again said, Come on, move forward. When the Holy Prophet moved forward, after some time, he met a group of people on the way, who greeted him in the following words, O awwal, meaning O first, the peace of God be upon you, O akhir, meaning O last, the peace of God be upon you, O hashir, the peace of God be on you. Gabriel instructed the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, to respond to the greetings of peace. The Holy Prophet greeted them and then moved ahead. After some time, this very group met the Holy Prophet again and greeted him with the same words. After a little while, a third time the same occurrence took place, after which the Holy Prophet reached Jerusalem. Here, Gabriel presented three cups before the Holy Prophet, and one was water, and the second alcohol, and the third was milk. The Holy Prophet preferred the glass of milk and rejected the other two. Gabriel said, You have chosen that which is natural for you, for if you had taken the water, your community would have drowned, and if you had chosen the glass of alcohol, your community would have gone astray. Then Adam and the prophets after him were brought before the Holy Prophet, and he led them in congregational prayer. Hmm. After this, Gabriel said, and he explained, The old lady that you saw on your way here was the world, and now the time remaining of this world is equivalent to the life left of this old woman. As for the one who called you to the one, to the one side of the path, he was Satan, who wished to, di- to divert your attention from your true path and towards himself. The group that met you in the end and gave you greetings of peace 
with Abraham, Moses, and Jesus, the messengers of God. After this, the Holy Prophet returned to Mecca. So we have, again, cups of water, milk, and uh, alcohol being presented. Mm. An old lady who is saying greetings and trying to you know, divert his attention. Uh, forget everything. A horse. Yeah. Or uh, an animal smaller than a, bigger than a donkey, smaller than a mule. Mm. Taking him all the way from Mecca to Jerusalem. I don't know. How long does that flight take, actually? Uh, I've never done it, so... No, so like, let's say from, from, from Saudi Arabia. You're, you're a well, well-traveled tra- well man. A couple of hours, at least. Yeah, a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you return in, like, one day. But, one, but one within... Night. See, listening to what you were saying, so many representations of meanings. Hmm. And this goes back to now. I can ask the question, which is the right time now. All right. <laughs> about now, all, yes, yes, about all the other prophets that had... The Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, taken a physical journey, then surely if he has led them yeah. in prayers, they must, or even if met them, forget about the prayers, yeah. then they're in physical format too? Good question. It, so, it puts into question, yeah. yeah. Doesn't it? Valid, valid question. And it's not just about Jesus, peace be upon him. It would be all of all them. All the prophets. All of them would be physical, would be alive somewhere. Yes. Not somewhere, but clearly in Jerusalem. or mm. in, in, we, And we know from uh, other faiths that that is not the case. Hmm. No, that's a very valid point. I don't think that anything more needs to be said than to yeah. that because it just doesn't add up. Exactly. So again, th- look, I think the mistake that we make is that and probably not just exclusive to Islam. Prophets have mentioned in the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, has spoken about it. The Holy Quran speaks about it that the language of faith, the language of religion, to explain certain things, God Almighty uses what? Metaphors, similes, different kind of examples. So we should not get caught up in the words. There's a reason for that, though. Because it that's what makes it relevant till the end of time. But there's also another reason that's for right. that, isn't it? What is it? So, to, look, if it was black and white, mm-hmm. if it was, that's how it happened, this is what it is, this is like 100% or 99% description of things to, to mm-hmm. happen, mm-hmm. W- wouldn't it not, that, who would not believe in it? Yeah, but that's the whole point, right? We're trying to say this, that if this was a physical sign, yep. then people would have witnessed it. Yes. In fact, there were people who were questioning it. Mm. Let's get to that point. Exactly. There were people, when the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, I don't know if it was the next morning or later on, said that this is what's happened to me. I went to Jerusalem. Mm. And people, there were people, there were Jews there. Mm. Well, what do you mean Jerusalem? I, we know Jerusalem. <laughs> we know it. We know <laughs> the roads of it. Yeah. Oh, go on, then explain to us what it looks like. That's right. And the, in, in the narrations, it said that when they asked him, what does it look like? he immediately became a little bit worried. Now, why would he become worried if he'd actually been there? Yeah. It was a worry because if you see something in your dream, yeah. it's not the same as if you've seen it in real life and you can't recall everything. So it, now the narration, it mentions that God Almighty showed him Jerusalem in there, in, in, yeah. again, in yeah. a vision. And he was able to explain to them, this is what it looks like. 
So had he actually seen everything, that confidence and being able to explain it would have been right there and then. Hmm. And the, the reason why the people were asking in the first place is because they couldn't believe yeah. that he'd gone there and come back with such a powerful group of prophets and nobody saw it. Yeah. Not a single person saw it. That's because it, no, they couldn't have seen it. Yeah. It was a spiritual, a spiritual journey. Hmm. And I think there's one question that I'm sure some of the, the listeners might be wondering is, what, we're talking about all of these things and it sounds so great and it sounds so compelling. Why... Would someone even want to assume that Isra and Mi'raj were one and the same thing? Mm. And I'll tell you right now why. Because in some narrations, both of them have been mentioned as the night journey. Quote, mm. unquote, mm. the night journey. Mm. And that's the confusion. Because, because they've both been mentioned as the night journey, we assume that they're the same thing. But let's say, Raza, tonight you travel to Manchester yeah. and Kuyum, you travel to Scotland tonight and you come back tomorrow morning and you say to me, yeah, last night I went, I went, I went to the north. And Raza, you say to me, last night I also went to the north. They were both at night. They were both in the north. They were not the same journey. Mm. And the fact that descriptively they've both been described as a night journey doesn't mean they were one in the same thing. Yeah. This is really important. And this is where the confusion has begun. This is where it's originated from. But we agree. They were both night journeys. Why? Because that mi'raj happened in the form of sleep in the, in, the, in, the, in the latter part of the day. The isra literally happened at night as well. But they were to different destinations. The, the mi'raj was to show the spiritual grandeur of the Holy Prophet, as we've already mentioned. We've already explained that. What was the purpose of, of, of isra? The purpose of that was to show that the teachings of the Holy Prophet, Muhammad peace be upon him, are far beyond any attempt of attack from the world, which was the lady. They are far beyond any reproach from the man who was Satan. And they are a compilation and they are in direct understanding with the previous religions that came before him, wow. which was the praying of the prophets behind him, i.e. they all pushed towards what? The oneness of God mm. and love to his creation. Now, this was the spiritual significance of that. Both of these events, albeit separate, were to testify the grandeur of Islam in a worldly and, and spiritual sense. That... You see, you've said it in a stride, but that's so powerful because that's what the Messiah will do. Well, yes, he's supposed to do that. Isn't that, you started this conversation with? <laughs> with the, the whole, this whole thing hinges on where will the Messiah come back and how and why? To unify all the faiths. Yeah. And with the Holy Prophet went and confirmed, basically, as you've just said, the world, Satan, all the religions before him, they, they they were superseded, if I'm using the correct, correct yeah. word, please forgive me if I'm not, by the final teachings of yeah. the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. So this, when you look at it from this perspective, it just makes even more sense. Yes. That you're like, you'll happily give up the concept of it being physical because the spiritual aspect of it is so much more fruitful to us if we understand it that way. Hmm. And we don't have to pull it. Look, we don't have to pull it to make it sense like that. No. The Quran, the Hadith actually suggest and strongly show that it has to be this. It has to be this way. So uh, hopefully now we've kind of clarified this whole situation. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think that kind of settles the case, at least for me. <laughs> <laughs> two, two different journeys. Yeah. They were spiritual journeys and they categorically do not in, yeah. uh, support the fact that Jesus will come back in his physical form. Mm. Because if the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, denied that he could not physically ascend yeah. then any other prophet also cannot do the same thing wonderful now we're going to take a very very short break here and then uh, we're going to be back uh, speaking about this in the last couple of minutes 
and Imam Akil Kang is going to answer just a few of the questions that we have. Maybe it's going to be a recap basically as well about some of the things that you've heard in the last 50 minutes. So don't go anywhere. Stay with us. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum, peace upon you, and welcome back to the Drive Time Show here on The Voice of Islam. We've had uh, some fun talking about these two incidents that we have just mentioned the Isra and Miraj. Here with us in the studio to talk a little bit more about this, just you know, a couple of minutes at the end is uh, Imam Akhir Kang. Assalamu alaikum, Jazakallah for joining us. Jazakallah, Assalamu Now, um, we've, we've gone through the narrations. We've mentioned the cup of milk. We've mentioned the, the, the two different events being spiritual and not. What, but what exactly is the significance of this? What does, you know, selecting milk, what, what do these two yeah. events actually yeah. mean? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when uh, the Prophet Muhammad uh, when he came, uh, the Prophet Muhammad gave us the interpretation of the uh, Holy Quran yeah. and Surah Isra and uh, and uh, the events that are called Isra and Miraj, mm. which we believe to be two distinct and separate events. Mm. And he highlighted that it is wrong to be apologetic. Likewise, is it wrong of the uh, new atheists and so-called enlightened world to raise objections because they're both uh, are taking a wrong stance with regards to mm. this this event and he said that neither is this a physical event nor a, a, a you know sort of dream that everyone has uh, he said it is a, sta- a spiritual state of the highest order that can and that a person um, can achieve and because we're talking about the holy prophet it is the highest, um, it is the apex of uh, humanity in ter- terms of spirituality mm. that a person could reach. And it was a state between um, dream and wakefulness. Mm. Uh, and he said he called it a kashf of the highest order. A vision. And so th- this is a vision. And the significance, of course, is that it highlights the, st- the status of the Holy Prophet, mm. but also the events, uh, the Spiritual event that took pl- events that took place, and the symbolism, with uh, for example the Holy Prophet leading all the prophets into prayer, the mm. Holy Prophet being given this this milk, yeah. uh, to which I'll come in a minute, and um, the prayers being um, uh, you know give, uh, uh, given to to Muslim to the Muslim Ummah as uh, as a, as a form of worship, etc. etc. Uh, you mentioned the milk. Um, this is one of the symbolism. Mm. Of that journey, and Hazur has been talking about this um, in his uh, la- this today sermon as well as last uh, sermon as well. That Hazur said that um, people uh, allege that Nawazullah the Ahmadis uh, have uh, interpolated the Holy Quran or in its meanings. Uh, it is in fact uh, the Promised Muhammad and his Khulafa who gave the correct. Uh, interpretation of uh, the Holy Quran, and this is one such example. Mm. The milk also refers to the teaching 
uh, that the Holy Prophet ﷺ was given. He was presented on on this journey. Uh, he was presented a milk, uh, you know, a cup of milk, um, and he accepted it. He rejected water and he rejected alcohol. And it was said to him, "Had you re accepted uh, water or alcohol, your ummah, your nation would have been ruined. But you have accepted that teaching, which is complete, which is wholesome." The Holy Quran says, "Fiha kutubun kayyima." It is a teaching which is not for 100 years, which does not, uh, you know, change with the trends, nor does it need to. It is a teaching which is everlasting, um, and it is a teaching which, um, uh, in every era, will continue to guide mankind, uh, especially Muslims, those who follow this teaching, um, with with any you know human um, issue that arises mm. in in now or in hundred or thousand years. Yeah. Um, so this is the indication of that that uh, milk that the Holy Prophet presented. Now again, we don't have much time. Lastly, Imam uh, Akil, why do so many people think it's a physical event rather than a vision? We have the information out there. We have the sources. We have the quotes from the Holy Quran, from the narrations of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, from the historians. If you put both of them together, it's, I mean, we've done it in an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the sources uh, you've mentioned, they're very clear on this. Mm. Um, you just need to look at the Holy Quran. Open the Holy Quran. It says, Ru'ya. It's, yeah. it's, it's a dream. It's a dream. Harat Aisha says, whoever says it's a physical journey, he, he's lying. Yeah. There are so many examples. Uh, but the thing is, people always want shortcuts, you know? And to say that, you know, look, what our prophet has done. People always, um, unfortunately, sometimes attribute to prophets, like Isa for example, um, things that are that they consider to be sort of magical, you know. Prophets, Nauzubillah, Nauzubillah, God forbid, they're not mag magicians. They uh, show the signs of Allah the Almighty, which uh, relate to and which uh, affect human beings on an individual level, no, and in future they, they contain prophecies mm. and they have deep, deep wisdoms and uh, it's, it doesn't help uh, to interpret, interpret these things uh, in a physical manner because, uh, as I said, it's mm. against mm. The, the textual evidence, the historical evidence and also the deeper meaning that is contained in, in, the, in the symbolism that is in, the, in those, those things. All right, gentlemen, Jazakallah, thank you very much for that. We have come to the end of today's program. Uh, in the first half of the program, we were talking about the Random Acts of Kindness Day. Um, on that note, I am going to ask both of you a question. Mamaki, if you feel free to, to, to answer that if, you, if you're willing to. Um, why should we be kind? What is one way to ensure that we can leave a legacy of kindness that maybe the next generation can... Can continue that and then in the second half of the program just right now we were talking about isra and miraj if you want to listen back to any of these episodes by all means go on soundcloud and make sure that you search for voice of islam and the podcast will be available shortly after we've uh, finished the broadcast for today a couple of minutes you know give it 20 minutes half an hour and it will be available on that uh, <clears throat> so on that um brother kiyum i would like to ask and start with you why should we be kind? What have you learned from today's show? Uh, today's show, I am only going to say one thing. Um, I kind of want to re, uh, reaffirm when I talked about the world we're living in today. 
there is a cost of living crisis and there are we talk about people who need but there are a lot of people out there who have um do go out and seek people who need help do help and uh, if you um most of you know that you can do without uh, taking that money back forgive it um and let it be and don't ask them for the money back uh, there will be reward for what you do i w- i would just say yeah i w- i was i would just say be kind because you will one day need kindness the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that those who are kind those who are merciful then they beseech that merciful god he will show mercy to them on the day of judgment and brother come on at the end the, yes. your face actually says it all no way exactly. no, okay so yeah i think kindness before it's a gift to someone else it's a gift to you that's my main thing the proverb that i said in the beginning hatred jealousy enmity it's like drinking poison yourself and expecting someone else to die right and you can do that you can take that option but you're going to spend the rest of your day feeling sour feeling bitter why if you do the right thing do the nice thing you'll feel great first and then it will benefit that person anyway So think about it. It's a win-win situation. Win-win situation it is. Now, thank you very much for listening in today's uh, Drive Time show again. Um we would like to say thank you very much to our researchers and producers for today for putting up such a wonderful show and thank you very much to you as well for listening and for joining us today. And brother Akibin. And brother Akibin Tech. Uh, don't forget tomorrow morning SML is going to be with you at 10 a.m. and then on Sunday morning the Weekend World team is going to be joining you at 10 a.m. We'll be back on Monday from all of us. Assalamu alaikum.